Hi everybody, it is me, Kinsey, and I am so thrilled for you to hear the episode I have lined up for you today. Before we dive in though, if you subscribe to my newsletter, you know that I have been spending a lot more time on YouTube lately. I've been having a ball doing it, and it is insanely rewarding to try something new. The episode you are about to hear is the audio version of my very first YouTube video essay that I released yesterday. It's the same Thinking is Cool vibe you're accustomed to, but just in a different format. So as you listen to this episode that's about to play, know you're getting all of the insight and ideas and good thinking, but you are missing some of the visual elements that are only possible to communicate in a video format. If you want to get the full experience, head over to my channel on YouTube. I will link it in the show notes. This is the game plan moving forward. YouTube will probably see it first, but the audio version will be right here in your podcast feeds if pods are your preference. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And as always, thinking is cool. And so are you. Without further ado, here's the episode. Does booking an interview with Anna Delvey from prison make Alex Cooper of Call Her Daddy a journalist? Is Joe Rogan a journalist? And I present this without comment. And people say, do you think it's safe to get vaccinated? I've said, yeah, I think for the most part, it's safe to get vaccinated. I do, I do. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. Also presented without comment. Your take on it. Just give me your take on it. Well, first off. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Joe Rogan interviews people. Alex Cooper interviews people. I interview people. Are they journalists is the question. And I think the bigger question that should underpin that one is how come when we consider what might the future of journalism be, it's those names that come to mind. Alex Cooper, Joe Rogan, and not the names of the journalists who are, for example, on the front lines reporting on what's happening in Ukraine right now. It's because the very nature of being a journalist is changing, of being somebody who is charged with keeping the lights on for democracy, of somebody who is the collector and synthesizer of the world's most important information. That role, that responsibility is changing before our very eyes. And the consequences could be monumental, not just for the poor souls who got a journalism degree in college, but also for all of us. I mean, how we define a journalist and the work that journalists do, it affects us all. It's how elections are won and lost. It's how history is recorded. It's how we inform the opinions that define us. It's knowledge, it's power. So what does the future of journalism look like? Will it be more Anderson Cooper or more Emma Chamberlain? Or perhaps a little bit of both. I'm Kinsey Grant, this is my series Thinking is Cool, where I ask big questions about the internet and capitalism and questions just like this one. What is the future of journalism? We're gonna ask these questions and hopefully get to thinking about the answers because thinking is cool and so are you. Let's get into it. So I know that my presence here on YouTube and my general demeanor if we're being totally honest, might suggest that I'm more of an influencer than I am a journalist. But I guess now is the time that I make this big admission that I, I owe you. I have a journalism degree. I have a business journalism degree to be uh, more specific, but the truth of the matter is I spent four of the best years of my life studying what it meant to be a journalist and a good journalist at that. And then I graduated and my dreams of being the next Barbara Walters were dashed Pretty much immediately and for good. Because honestly, as it turns out, there are a lot more fun and interesting and lucrative things to do than to work your way up the corporate ladder, starting with a weekend anchor position in Tupelo, Mississippi, hoping to potentially, maybe if you're lucky, get a producer role on 60 Minutes by the time you're 65. I'm a YouTuber. I'm a content creator. 
I am somebody who shares her thoughts publicly all the time, but I'm also a journalist. I still engage in journalism with this and most of what I do. That's because today it's not just the Barbara Walters of the world who are doing journalism. It's people like me. It's journalists, it's influencers, it's influencer journalists, it is the content creators, the social media strategists. Anybody who's hitting publish is contributing to the way that we ascertain and understand information. They're all kind of journalists. Now that's a far cry from the definition of a journalist that I learned when I was in school. That definition of a traditional journalist is often defined more by the responsibilities of a journalist than any real dictionary definition. We're told that journalists are people who ask who, what, where, when, why, how. We're told that journalists are people who prize objectivity above all else. But we're also told that journalists are people who have a little bit of an ego. And I think that's warranted. When I get to call myself a capital J journalist, I feed my superiority complex in the media world. There, I said it. But I have to question why that is when I look around at the journalism world I see today. I don't like what I see. I don't really see any noble pursuits of the truth. I would love to hear in the comment section if you have any journalists you follow who you think really are nobly pursuing the truth, but they're hard to come by today. When I look around, I don't see nobility. I see CNN getting its best ratings ever, basically the new war profiteers, because people turn to them in times of chaos and crisis. I don't see people I want to be. I don't see people whose careers I want to emulate. I don't want to profit off of people's panic. I also see takedown stories that are taking down the wrong people. I see impartiality that's actually just cowardice. I don't want to be part of that. I want to be part of, and trigger warning, disruption. I want to be part of the disruption of journalism that's happening right now that's actually for the better. We're seeing people who are holding on to the best parts of journalism, integrity, the pursuit of truth, relationships with an audience, a keen, discerning, skeptical eye, a fantastic bullshit radar, but they're leaving behind the bad. They're leaving behind the ego, the potential war profiteering. They're occupying this space that's somewhere in the middle of old school and new school, rejecting tradition in favor of independence. Information, truth, skepticism, curiosity, they're still at the core, but it's more complicated than that. When you get your information, information that might inform what decisions you make, what career you pursue, who you cast a vote for, where are you getting it from? If you're like me, you find yourself more often than not saying, oh, I saw it on TikTok. If the digital world is an information superhighway, journalists used to be the ones who drew the white and yellow lines that kept us in the right lanes. They told us where to go and where to not go. Today, that's not really the case. The lanes are being decided not by people with journalism degrees, but by people with an audience. All right, quick ask. Next time you go on Instagram, go to stories, start watching people's stories, Count how long it takes you until you find some sort of an Instagram infographic that is conveying information that could be construed as news. Probably has to do with the crisis happening in Ukraine, maybe the refugee crisis, but see how long it takes you. My bet, not that long. News is everywhere today. And because news is everywhere, we have a big question to ask and to answer. What is journalism? I've thought long and hard about this, and I think it comes down to a handful of what I'm going to call here currency systems. It's this idea that each has its own value and within the capital M media world, you can be rich in one currency and poor in another or poor in one and rich in another. Wait, that was the same thing. Anyway, our first currency system, access. Can you call Nancy Pelosi's office one day and get through to the Speaker of the House and call Taylor Swift's office the next day and maybe get through to her publicist? Our second currency system, 
accuracy. Are you right more often than you're wrong? Now, this brings up one important note that I want to highlight. In the world of journalism, we have a different kind of relationship with truth and with accuracy. See, regular everyday people get to just tell the truth, do their best to tell the truth. But in journalism, we tell ourselves that we don't just tell the truth, we have to actively seek the truth. And there's a difference between telling the truth and seeking it out. It brings up some really big ideas about responsibility that I think are important to highlight. When we allow influencers to take up the mantle as journalists, we often fail to recognize that they might not have the training that journalists have. When I was in college, I would get a F a full F for failure on any assignment if I had a fact error. Even something as small as confusing someone's age, saying they're 34 when they're actually 35, that would result in a failing grade, even if it was a final. That's how seriously people take fact-checking in the media world, in the journalism world more specifically. The fact-checking processes are super intense, and often they're not being applied to people who are just posting something on TikTok where there is really no moderation. Our third currency system is distribution, the big D. Now this, I mean, do you have people who are going to listen to what you say? Are people going to open your newsletter, download your content, hit play on your YouTube? It's very, very different for traditional media publications versus influencers. For example, when I was at Morning Brew, I hosted a podcast there, and uh, I got to send that podcast to a list of like 2 million people every now and then, and that made a big difference. We were doing 500,000 downloads a month when I was the host of Business Casual. That's crazy. But that's because I had built-in distribution. And Morning Brew is small potatoes. I think the New York Times has something like five and a half million new subscribers. Mr. Beast has 92 million YouTube subscribers. And Joe Rogan has 12 million YouTube subscribers, not even accounting for his subscribers on Spotify. Next up, timeliness and expertise. And this is essentially asking whether or not you have the gut feeling to know when a story is worth telling. I think about this a lot, maybe because I wanna make money someday. But Mike Isaac is a famous journalist. He started covering Uber way back when. A lot of Uber coverage turned into a book called Super Pumped. That book turned into a Showtime series called Super Pumped. That is incredible that he had the eye then to say that this is the story that could blow up five, seven, 10 years from now. He had the timeliness, he had the expertise. And finally, our final currency system, my personal favorite, branding. Personal branding is an enormous competitive advantage, especially when you are operating in an incredibly choppy media ecosystem where there are about a thousand carbon copies of exactly who you are waiting to take your job. Branding is confusing though, so I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So if that's what journalism is made of, we get to the point now where we have to wonder what is the future of journalism made of? We often today want to view journalism as something that's binary. You either are a journalist or you're not a journalist. But I don't really think that's the case. Consider what I do. I have a pretty recognizable brand. I'm sorry, uh, I am independent. I don't really have resources. I don't really have access. I do have accuracy. I think I'm okay on the timeliness and the expertise aspects of it, but I'm not a yes or no, a 100% or a 0% on any of these currency systems because it's not something black and white. It's something gray. Pulling out the laptop for this next bit because I wanna read you word for word what I wrote. It has to do with labels. Labels suck. When we tell the world who we are with a label, the world then reinforces that for us and that shrinks our imagination. When we let labels define us, we lose out on the possibilities that taking any other label might potentially promise. When I say I'm just a journalist, 
I forgo my penchant for editorializing, for being an opinionated person. When I say I'm just a content creator, people automatically assume that I'm making vlogs about like my makeup routine or some Revolve haul, which comment if you want me to. I am open to doing that. But that's not what I do. The point is this, the future of journalism is likely not one thing or the other. It's somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in the gray space. Future casting is pretty explicitly something I'm not great at. So I called a friend who I think has a really smart take about this idea that the future of journalism is somewhere in that gray space. I'm gonna roll a clip from my interview with Brian Morrissey. Brian writes a fantastic newsletter about media called The Rebooting, and he used to be the president and editor-in-chief editor of Digiday. Here's the interview with Brian. This is a perfect time to bring up the idea that you have about the, the concept of what the future of journalism, or even I think what the future of media writ large looks like, is going to lie somewhere on this spectrum between everybody works at these institutions and everybody works as an individual creator, totally independent. It's probably not going to be one or the other. It's probably going to be some combination of both. And I would love to hear your, your perspective on this, what the future looks like, individual versus institutional. Yeah, that's what I like think of this continuum between institutional and individual. And I think like everything like in um, our world today, everyone goes to the polls, right? They go, it's either all or nothing, right? You're either like a YouTuber and, or a sub stacker, or you work at like, you know, the New York Times or Bloomberg or something like this. And like, there's gonna be like gradations in between. And so there's no like one answer. Some people want a more independent path. Some people want, are, are willing and are able to take more risk to get more upside of, of a more independent path. Some people either they, they can't do that or don't want to do that. And, you know, that's just a mindset and preference thing. So, but I do think that one of the growing areas that we're going to see are, are places that are, are going to look at what's going on with the creator economy and with these individuals building their own brands and are able to marry the best of both worlds. Individuals making a brand rather than a brand making individuals is likely going to be a big category. You know, institutions have not had a good run probably going back to, um, probably going back to Watergate, but really going back to like even uh, the Iraq war, um, all of our institutions have come up short. So it stands to reason that that people would look to, to create new new companies and, and, and new ways of like organizing. So I don't think it's all or nothing. As I listen back to that interview with Brian, I can't help but think about the ways that we have so much access as consumers of media today. We can tap into any information that we want literally at the end of our fingertips 24 seven, 365 days a year. And when you really think about it, like that's crazy, but still, Power gathers in pools. It always has, and I think it probably always will. In the digital world, that power often pools in the hands of what I think we could fairly call gatekeepers. For a very long time, the people who served as the gatekeepers of information were journalists, media execs, etc. Today though, those gatekeepers I think are technocrats and the, the creators whose content keeps those technocrats platforms flush with new ideas all the time. How did that change happen? I think in a lot of ways, it's because we as consumers permitted it to. I mean, we stopped trusting the traditional media gatekeepers, those bigger institutions, in favor of individuals. We could enter into a parasocial relationship with people we see online, and we can understand their lives and connect with them in a way that we would never want to with, for example, the Washington Post. 
It's a paper. We would rather talk to people. We trust those people because we have more in common. So in a lot of ways, this shift of responsibility for gatekeeping is our doing as consumers. But because of that, I think a certain amount of responsibility also falls on us as consumers. New rules of journalism. We as consumers define them. I mean, we can choose to reward people who value truth and accuracy and fairness and honesty. We can choose who gets to be the next gatekeeper. And this matters so much. I mean, think about the ways that the information we consume changes our lives. It's how we write the first draft of history. It's scary, but in a lot of ways, it's also a little reassuring that we have autonomy. I think in, in some regards, truth is in the eye of the beholder. We can consume information, call bullshit, and call those people out. We can consume information with a discerning eye. We can use that bullshit radar, and we can actively not consume information that we know to be false. <clears throat> Joe Rogan, sorry, just a tickle in my throat. We get to hold people like Joe Rogan accountable to the roles that they play in the information economy. Because without consumers like us, they wouldn't have a platform in the first place. And with that, we can also choose to prioritize a diverse set of voices. I recently had a conversation with my mom and she was telling me that she thinks I would do great on Good Morning America. And I tried to explain to my mom that nobody watches Good Morning America anymore, but she had it in her mind that this was the pinnacle of news. And what I tried to explain to her was that there's so much more out there today and eyeballs are not necessarily glued to Good Morning America every morning. They're glued to YouTube, to Instagram, to TikTok. And thank God they are. Because people like you are watching videos like this, I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not to fit into the mold of traditional media anymore. I can own my own audience. I can talk about what I want to talk about and what you want to hear about. But as long as I keep up my commitment to truth and accuracy and honest conversation that I promised you when I started this show. And I'm one of millions and that is so, so cool. I mean, for all the risk that includes somebody like Alex Cooper kind of a little bit becoming a journalist, there's also so much diversity of thought that comes with it. And I love that that is a side effect of this creator economy blowing up. Because diversity of thought is not just a good to have, it's a need to have. We need it to survive. And it's my view that diversity of thought explodes when people get to do journalism on their own terms. Some people I look up to who are doing just that, Johnny Harris, Cleo Abram, Roxanne Gay, Tressie McMillan Cottom, these people who have such strong, profound ideals and ideas who are able to straddle that line between influencer and journalist in a way that endears people to them. They have influence, but they also have this enormous amount of integrity. I think that's what the future looks like. I think that's where we should be spending our time as consumers. The good news is, even if that's not how you wanna spend your time as a consumer, you get to decide. You get to decide why you watch the content that you do. And I hope that you vote with your eyeballs and your likes and your subscribes to content that deserves it. Content that is integrity driven and is honest and is truthful and is diverse in thought and idea and concept. But it makes me wonder why? I mean, why are you watching this? Why are you choosing to consume this video instead of say the, the front page of the New York Times website or CNN.TV or whatever? Does anybody have cable anymore? If you have cable, why are you watching this instead of CNN? Tell me in the comments. I started this episode with a question and I want to end with an answer. Joe Rogan is not a journalist. 
but he engages in journalism. And the role that he and so many others with influence and with a platform play in determining the trajectory of human history cannot be understated. So it's on us, people like me and like you who are consuming content, to hold people like Joe Rogan accountable so that we as consumers can encourage a future of journalism and media that's diverse in thought, that's honest and truthful, and makes sense for the people creating and consuming content, so that we can see more disruption of journalism in the right way. That's what this channel is all about, and I'm really excited to do my best. So, uh, how's that for the future of everything?